the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Meekness is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of power under constraint. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I entitled this message, Being Misunderstood. So the question is, have you been misunderstood? I think we all have, you know. To be misunderstood, according to the dictionary, means to not be interpreted or understood correctly. Yes, we've all felt, I think, that way in times past. How many times have we thought to ourselves, nobody is getting what I'm trying to say or understanding me at all? Yet there are times when we make it hard, maybe, possibly, for others to understand us. Just like when former President John F. Kennedy was in Berlin, Germany, and he was trying to say in German, I am a Berlin person, but the way that he said it, it came out, I am a jelly donut. Okay, so he was misunderstood, that's for sure. Yes, there are times in life that we can be misunderstood. It's been said that anything that can be misunderstood will be misunderstood, in quotes. Then just because of our age, of course, because of that, we can be misunderstood. Years ago, when Harrison Ford went to buy diapers for his new, at that time, girlfriend, Callista Flockhart's baby, he asked the clerk, what aisle were the diapers on? And he said, aisle six. When he got there, he found Depends. Okay. So he had to go back to the Indiana Jones star and say, not for me, but for a baby. Okay, he was misunderstood. Yes, this is what the Apostle Paul, though, was dealing with in the city of Corinth. He was dealing with false teachers who were painting a different picture of Paul. Uh, they were misrepresenting him, you could say. They were undermining his ministry. They attacked his character. They leveled false accusations about him and his motives. But the reality actually was this. Paul came into their city by the will of God. He invested about a year and a half of his life into those people. He worked with them. He prayed with them. He toiled alongside them. He supported himself. He preached the word of God to them publicly. 
and he went from house to house with them. He reached out to the lost sinners of that city, the city of Corinth. He shared Christ crucified with them. And once they were saved, he stayed there and discipled them in their relationship with God. He counseled them again. He prayed with them again. And he prepared them to minister to others, to reach others that were lost and without hope. Then as a true missionary, he moved on to the next city to start a whole new work and do it all over again, preaching the gospel. And that's when the enemies of the gospel, that's when false teachers swooped in here to those that were in Corinth. They were empowered by the devil himself. They came in to steal what God had invested in those people through the apostle Paul. It's like the birds of the air of the parable of the sower. You remember when some of the seeds were thrown on the roadside and and it said that birds came in. Birds usually in the Bible depict evil. And the birds came in and they ate the seed that was sown by the sower that was planted in their hearts. So Paul, he defends the truth of God's word, his apostleship and his true calling from God. So let's look at our first point, a spiritual battle, as we read together here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, picking up in verse 1, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, who am meek when face to face with you, but I'm bold when absent. So I ask that when I am present, I may not be bold with confidence, which which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as I walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. All right, so he's all over the place there. So let's kind of bring it back around here. But notice how Paul started here with, he simply says, I, Paul. As you might already know, Paul was his Greek name, which means little one. Now, he had changed his name from his Hebrew name, Saul. Remember, he was Saul of Tarsus. Saul means man in demand. And that was his goal before he came to Christ. His aspiration uh, was like many today. He wanted to excel in life. He wanted to make his mark in this world. He wanted to be a somebody to accomplish much in this life. See, Paul was considered a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the, you know, of the favored tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. He was trained by the highly respected rabbi named Gamamiel, who was the teacher of the law. He became a religious Pharisee, which, as you know, was the highest order of religious sect of the day. He seemed to obtain everything that a man could dream of. Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul, he had respect 
He had power being a, one of the Pharisees. He had lived up to his name as the man in demand. Yes, he had everything in life except for this one thing, satisfaction. He was dead on the inside. For religion cannot satisfy the emptiness of a man or a woman's heart. Why? Because we were created to know God. And it's like, so we have that God-shaped void that is born inside of us. And until we satisfy that, we won't be satisfied with anything else. And Paul, on the road to Damascus, was surrounded, as you know, with a bright light from heaven, which knocked him off of his horse. So Saul of Tarsus fell to the ground, humbled by the presence of Christ. And Saul said from this voice, Who art thou, Lord? And, 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 and Jesus said, it's, it's me, Jesus, whom you've been, cruci- who, you know, you, who've, you've been you know, tormenting, you've been persecuting. He's like, oh, that's not the voice that he wanted to hear, I'm sure. But through that voice... That's where Saul of Tarsus came to know Christ as his Savior, and that's why he changed his name to the Apostle Paul, the little one. Yes, without question, you know, Saul of Tarsus had a radical conversion, but all are not, you know, realizing, you know, how radical their conversion is. Because really, isn't all of our conversions radical? I mean, I know mine was. I mean, I went from being this one crazy person to being somebody completely, totally opposite of what I was. So really, all of ours, mine and your conversion, should be radical. You know, for when we come to Christ, you know, we came and we repented of our sin. You know, and when we repent of our sin, that means that we must turn from our sin, or at least that's what we we're saying to doing, saying, I'm sorry for my sin, is saying, please God, forgive me, and I'm willing to turn from that sin. That's when we start following Jesus, as we start turning from the things that have separated us from him in the first place. And that's exactly what Saul did. He turned away from his own self-made life, from his own pride, his own arrogance, from his own self-reliance. And he became that new person. So again, it was fitting for Saul of Tarsus to change his name from Saul to Paul, the little one. This outward name change reflected on what had taken place on the inside of his heart. And so it is for you and for me. Not overnight, but certainly following our conversion. Yes, there should be from the inside out a change of heart, a change of attitude, a change of outlook on life, a change in our perspective. It caused me to stop thinking about what I was going to be in life, to start thinking about, God, how can I serve you more in this life? So how do we change? Well, we change by the hearing of God's word. For the Bible, as you know, is truth. And when we read and hear truth taught, it causes us to desire to live godly lives. Without God's word establishing what is right and wrong, then everybody simply just does what they think is right in their own eyes. 
But verse 1 says that I, Paul, he says, it's saying I, the little one. He says, I urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, he said this because one of their charges against him, that is, these people that came in after he had went out, was that Paul was bold in his letters. Oh, he he writes a mean letter, but he was weak in his own presence. Yet Paul was a man of great authority. Know this, meekness is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of power under constraint. We know that Moses was a meek man, but yet Moses was empowered by God. Anyone that came up against Moses, remember the sons of Korah that came up against Moses? The, the ground opened up and swallowed them because they, had, they said that they, they came up against Moses. Moses' own sister says, hey, you know, we don't have to listen to Moses. You can listen to me too. And God dropped leprosy on her until her brother Moses asked that God would take it away. So he had much power, but yet he was a very meek man. We know that Jesus was meek, but yet Jesus encompassed all power in his life. I mean, he could have just wiped everything out around him, but he allowed sinful men to do what they did to him because that's what he came to do, and that was to die on the cross for our sins. But yes, Jesus was the creator of all things. So a meek person is one that actually has authority, yet he refuses to retaliate. Yes, Paul wasn't one with great stature or amazing speech, but he was called by God to preach his word. And Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And though he was an ordinary man, he wasn't living in sin. Paul recognized that there was a tax on his own personal character and his own welfare. But why again? Because Paul was in a battle. But it was a spiritual battle. And that the battle that he was in was a battle for men's souls. And that battle wasn't going to be won through just impressive words of human wisdom or or clever methodologies. Yes, there was an endless mind over matter gurus out there that were trying to convince people otherwise. But yes, this battle of human wisdom and all of these other things. It's like, what does those things even mean? Jesus said that we are called to deny ourselves. That's why, you know, I have an issue, and I believe the Bible has a big issue with Bible preachers that are more like life coaches, just telling people how wonderful they are instead of actually teaching the truth of God's word and allowing God's word to build them up and not us just bringing some kind of icing on the cake and just saying, oh, you're a champion, you're wonderful, you're all, well, actually, we can do all things in Christ, but that's in Christ, not in ourselves. We are called to take up the cross and follow Christ is what we're called to do. And in Jesus, then we can be more than conquerors and we can do all things. But again, because it's Christ who strengthens us, not just because we're wonderful in ourselves. Yes, it's not about us. It's about who lives inside of us. Yes, First John 4, 4 says this. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, we can be great overcomers, 
Not because we're wonderful, not because we have mighty speech, not because we do everything right, but because Christ lives inside of us and the battle is his and we are victors because he is the victor. Yes, our warfare is not an intellectual one. It is a spiritual one. Verse four says, our strength is divinely powerful, able to tear down strongholds in our lives. See, the Corinthians understood this type of battle, this terminology. For most cities in ancient times have places of refuge in case they were attacked. But what about us when we're attacked, when we're faced with temptations and trials from the devil? We were talking about those things here this morning. Remember what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be of a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Why? Because your adversary. Who's your adversary? Well, my boss is my adversary. My spouse is my adversary. Uh, No, that's not your adversary. Maybe uh, there's times where it seems like it, but we have a huge adversary. And if you think your spouse is the adversary, it's because the enemy is in that marriage trying to stir the pot and cause things to go sour. That's why we have over 50% of marriages end up in divorce because there's a spiritual attack on the family. Why? Because God holds the family up on high. He holds the family as holy. And he says, I hate divorce. So therefore, Satan rises up and says, I'm going to do everything I can to cause divorce. But he says, be of a sober spirit because your adversary, and who is that? He says it in the next word. He says, the devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Boy, you know, lions, you know, they're pretty smart. They know how to hunt. And they hunt as a pack and they come in. And I think the devil does the same thing with his demons. You know, they, they set us up for the fall. They, they lay temptations out because they know what allures us. You know, Satan doesn't usually come to each of us with temptations that aren't specially geared towards us. Because all of us have different things that allure us, right? Some allure with these things and some with those things. And he's not going to come to me with all these specialized temptations on things that I could care less about. But he knows the things that I'm weak to. And he knows the things that you're weak to. So he comes to you with specially designed temptations that will cause you to trip and to fall. Yeah, have you ever just wondered like, what is the chance of that happening? Like I was in this place and then this happened. Like, what is the chance of that happening? Well, it's a great chance. Why? Because the devil is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's prowling for you and for me. Maybe tonight, Satan, the roaring lion, has been seeking after you. Maybe you've been battered on every front by him. Maybe it's caused you to question your faith, like it said in verse 5. Maybe for you, everything is coming against your knowledge of God. Is God really there? Does he really care about you? Does he really love you? If he does, then why are these things happening to you? Yes, maybe it's caused you to question those things things, from speculations to a barrage of different thoughts and ideas. But notice what Paul said at the end of verse 5, taking every thought 
captive. No, I'm not going to allow those thoughts to run crazy in my head that maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe he's not answering my prayers. Maybe he doesn't care. No, 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 no. Because the Bible says that he does love me. The Bible says that God is love and that he'll never leave me or forsake me. Well, maybe he's left you because he doesn't care about you. No, 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 no. I'm taking those thoughts captive. I'm not allowing myself to think on those things because I know that God has told me that he will never, ever leave me. We've got to take him to the obedience of Christ, it says. Yes, it all starts in the realm of our minds. From doubts to the web of sin that we can get entangled in and we're to take every thought again captive that's putting a wall of defense against anything and everything that comes against what my knowledge is of the word of god i have to stick with the truth of god's word even though it might not seem to be true at that very moment yes when we allow our minds to dwell on what is wrong it will corrupt our minds it will drag down our soul into captivity it's like satan coming around you and saying i don't think you should go to church today really well look at you're a dog well i am kind of a dog i mean didn't you just fall into sin well yeah i did well god doesn't love you i know he probably doesn't i mean i can't you know and and you just put your arm around satan it's like you know you're right you know thank you so much for explaining these things to me it's like what you know we have to say no You know, stop, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to listen to your lies here. I'm not going to listen to these things, you know, because, you know, maybe I don't deserve God's love. And I would say with all honesty that do any of us deserve God's love? We don't deserve it. But yet God is so gracious that he's given it to us, right? So we can't argue with God's love for us. You know, God, you shouldn't love me. I'm such a dog. You know, God, I just have no right to be loved by you. God, you should just forsake me. Be quiet. It doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what God says. And God says that I love you in spite of you, right? Because that's what, that's what being justified is. God made us as if we've never sinned. Justified means just as if you've never sinned. And because we believe in God, because we believe in Jesus, what does it say? It says we have now become his righteousness. So God, because of our faith in him, has given us righteousness. That word righteousness means what? To be in right standings with God. So God has allowed us to be in right standings with him. Again, it's not based on whether we deserve it. It's not based on whether, you know, it's something we earned. We we can't earn it. God simply loves us. Remember what his love is. God's love is what? His unconditional love is what it means. So what is unconditional? Me, you, yeah. These these terms you have to remind yourself because there's those times when you don't feel like You deserve God's love for good reason because you did something stupid. (laughs) You felt a sin again. Okay, and so you have to you you have to come back to well. What does the word say? The word says that God loves me unconditionally. That's what His grace is. You're saved by grace and not by works. See, if we don't understand these terms, then it's easy for the Satan the roaring line to come in and say, hath God really said that he loves you? Are you sure about that? See, it's like, 
No, 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 no. Take every thought captive. I have to take that captive because, no, 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 I know that God loves me. I don't deserve his love. I'm saved by grace and not by works. See, we have to remind ourselves of these things. That's when we can become enslaved to what we know is wrong is when we don't take those thoughts captive and we start losing our ability to resist Satan and to resist sin when we start believing these things and that all of a sudden sin becomes our slave master. I wonder how many right now are in some fierce battle with some area of sin. You know it's wrong, yet it seems like you become powerless within its grip. So what are we to do when we find ourselves in that position? We're to do what Paul did. We're to stand up in opposition like Paul stood up to these false teachers. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.